Welcome to Psychotherapy. I am Jet Dunlap. This is episode 30. Can you believe it? For those of you who are listening the first time, I'm sure you can. It's not too hard. You just started listening. Thank you. We appreciate your business and patronage. I mean, we're like a local mom and pop podcast, you know? We're not that big, fancy podcast in those clear channel buildings pretending they're not radio shows. We are coming straight at you from a basement. Not just any basement, my basement. And the reason we're doing this show is for you, my loving audience. I'm not joking about that either. As a matter of fact, I take input constantly. I have a lot of people who reach out to me on Facebook Messenger, Instagram, and text. And they tell me what they like, what they want more of. And as a matter of fact, the music that we're going to be playing in the episode today was just created because I've had a lot of people saying they want to hear a jingle. It's not just good enough to hear your voice yet. We need a jingle. And that's the voice of the people who uh, do that. It's not really a jingle. It's just intro music, but I'm sure you'll be excited. Today's episode is a little different. What I'm doing is I'm reading to you out of my journal. It's a manuscript for a book I wrote. It's about 150 pages or thereabouts. I wrote it back in 2011 and I have had a lot of incarnations of trying to write this in a full book format that you could get at a shelf. Hasn't worked out, but I want to share it with you anyway because I think the insight is helpful. We may not use it in the future. We may use excerpts from it in the future. Either way, I want to bring it forward today, and I hope you find some value in that. But before we do that, I have one more note, and it's kind of an apology, but I use an analogy on how to build something up in your life in this episode. And the analogy I use is about building a fence at my property. It's a little long on the story about building a fence, okay? I like fence building and I like analogies. You'll be okay. We'll all be okay. I just wanted to warn you because, you know, you needed it. And now I've even made that fence building story longer by explaining that it's going to be a long story. Well, you get the idea. All that and much, much more is going to start right now. The fight. Reading from a book here. We wish to be seen and heard and felt. Through our lives, we fight. The fight changes over the years, but it is ever present. From the moment we are born, we are crying and fighting to breathe and to be seen. Every gain in our life comes from a pain to push. This is the faith that the short-term pain brings long-term reward. So if that is the case, then why do we search our whole life for the easy way? Not bad, Jet. Not bad at all. So that was a, well, it was page one of the book I was writing in 2011. There are over 100 pages. And I thought, why not discuss with you this piece of, (laughs) I was going to say shit, because I was about to say piece of literature, but it's all written out. And uh, here, here, listen, listen to the authenticity. That's uh, human paper. Remember in that movie Waterworld where paper was a big thing in Dryland? Well, I meant to write this book. And it took more than my dyslexic brain was able to do even when it was fighting. 
which was the topic of today's show, based on this first page. I wrote every night, because I've written in a journal forever, and my friend Steve Nelson, who is my mentor, said to me, Dr. Steve Nelson, if you're nasty, he said to me, you've always wanted to write a book, you should write a book, just instead of writing in your journal every night, stay your journal and start writing a page a night. And I thought, well, I understand that concept. I had realized the idea of compound interest, things being done over time that equaled something very large indeed. So I started, and that was one of the pages on the fight. This was written in 2011. Why is it not a book that I can get at Crown Books Jet, a place that doesn't exist? Well, I've tried to get many people to write this, not out of a laziness. I mean, I wrote the draft that I am capable of writing, but when I bring it into a word processing system, this is written longhand, I start to get jumbled. You'd think, oh, well, it's spelled better than jet. People will be able to get it. No, what happens is, is it changes the word entirely. So I'll have one word there, then I'll try and autocorrect it. To my eyes, the word that I put in looks good, or it'll automatically correct it. And then the sentence structure doesn't make sense because you're looking at it something that has a word that doesn't belong. A lot of people with good intentions have come along and read pieces of it or heard my stuff online or uh, met me on set. And they're like, well, I'd love to do this. But, you know, that's, that's just not a thing that's really going to happen. So it has sat on my shelf since 2011. I tried to have Gina write it, but to elaborate on this, I, I think sometimes that I just say, hey, here's a concept, this could be half a chapter, a piece of a chapter, just elaborate on it. But I don't give myself enough credit in the fact that these concepts may be new and they may not be able to be elaborated on because they're coming from my mind. So I'm using you guys for a hundred and some odd pages to go into what it is I've written on a book that I called The Human OS. And you can't steal this anymore because uh, I've already talked about it on a timeline that is recorded with Apple. Not that I'm afraid you would. That's one of the funny things about my friends who write scripts. They're like, oh my God, I can't have you read this. I got a funny story about that. My friend David Benullo, he teaches a screenwriting class. He's written a bunch of uh, screenplays and uh, successful ones, ones that have been produced, some of them budgets of 90 million. So he writes these screenplays and he teaches a class. And this is <laughs> paranoia of the world right now. It makes sense. I get it from both sides, but it's still pretty funny. He assigns his students to write a screenplay, right? And then as they're going along with the screenplay, per any class, if you're doing anything in a class, you're going to have the input of the teacher, right? But this is now an intellectual property. So the fear of the students who are writing the screenplays is that the teacher is then going to steal their idea. Now, of course, you go on the internet and you can find some kind of anecdotal evidence of this, right? Some teacher steals some kid's screenplay or it doesn't have to be a kid. So he's coming up to the grades, Davis, student turns in this script, and there's like nothing. There's nothing about the script. And <laughs> which is great. How do you grade that? And the student's like, I can't give you the script because then you could steal the script. But the kids still wanted a grade. So he was going to describe parts of the screenplay to Dave to get him to give him a grade. But how would Dave give him a grade if the kid wasn't giving him a screenplay? Do you see the conundrum? That's a problem. And the reason was, was that this kid was so scared of it being stolen. And I understand that. Well, that's not the case with my book, because most of these concepts are pretty original. And I mean, come on, dude, are you sitting around waiting to steal a book? I'm saying this for the people who are afraid of putting their stuff out there, like this kid in Dave's class, because they're afraid that someone's going to steal it from him. It takes a lot to write a book. And there's not a lot of people sitting out there going, 
Yeah, I think I'm going to steal that guy's book, huh? See? I'm going to steal that kid's book. That book is mine now, see? So, guard your work, but you have to get it out there, right? So you can't have it just be private. Or it's not work. Because if it's just words, it's just complicated air, it's lost to time, and it means nothing. Okay. The fight. We wish to be seen, heard, and felt. 100% true. It's the first line. No question. And the fact that I go into this little thing that I've written here about when you're a baby, you come out fighting. Now, if you're a doctor, especially a uh, <laughs> gynecologist or prenatal or something like that, you probably have a better medical explanation for why and how that happens. But here's the deal. From the moment we hit this earth, we are fighting. And if you think about your life, when has greatness or even goodness come out of something without effort? I maintain that this planet only rewards effort, only rewards difficulty, energy that you have not exerted before, right? If you want things to change, you must change. And what does change take on this planet? Just simply, if you came here for the first time, what would you know about this planet that is absolute? For the mountains to rise, there had to have massive collisions in the earth over millions of years, right? We know that everything geography-wise, everything planetarily, everything universally, talking about the universe, it came through collision. Even this universe was created through the Big Bang. And as a boy, I can't help but think that that's funny because I'm thinking about people banging, and that's ridiculous, I know, but uh, I've got a child's mind. What can you do? I can spout out philosophy and still have the mind of a child, and maybe that helps, right? Look, I was making that a joke, but I think staying youthful in your mindset is, uh, is important. I have that benefit because when my mind started to get hijacked by the corporate world, hijacked by the education system, I unplugged because I saw The Matrix in 1999. It wasn't just The Matrix. I'm just kidding about that. But books like The Power of Now, too much spirituality. I say too much because it did detach me from the world from age 30 to 40, but that's okay because maybe I wouldn't have this insight if I didn't. So, fighting. I do this, obviously. There's nothing I would say to you on this show that I haven't done. But here's the deal. I know that my greatest achievements, or any of my achievements at all, comes through either a massive eruption of effort. So, using the analogy of, what does a rocket have to do? Why is rocket technology so difficult? It's not once it gets into space. In space, you could use the tiniest bit of propulsion and you could move at a rate of speed that is not possible on Earth. But to break the Earth's atmosphere takes 90, I think it's 98% of the fuel of a rocket to get out of the atmosphere. That's what it's like with us. We need to expend massive amounts of energy and then sustained amounts of energy to get moving, whether that's weight loss Whenever I think about changing my body and I made a decision, I'm going to look like this person or I'm going to go after this fitness goal, I go to the gym and I do that for an hour and a half. My wife does the same thing. You've done the same thing. This won't shock you. When I leave the gym, I don't look like the person I'm trying to look like. I look like me, but sweatier. And that's it. It's that sustained effort that gets us there. That's a part of the fight. Explosive energy to do something that you've never done before. You want to start that thing. That takes big energy. Sustained energy is getting good at a thing or changing body results or building a house. In our case recently, we've built a fence. 
What did I have to do to build the fence? This is very easy, a simple one, so take it and apply it to your body. I had to look at what was there. There was a tree. The tree had to be removed. It was destroying the street. So city-wise, had to be removed. That took money, took effort, got rid of the tree. Then the stump had to be removed. That took me about a week and a half. Then I had to draw a line of where the fence was going to go. All hot days, summer days, right? Then I had to take out the chain link fence that was there before. This chain link fence had been there since before the 50s. We saw a video on 8mm that was on Valley Relic. That's just a bunch of uh, aggregated video and pictures of the San Fernando Valley. We're right across the street from a park. So we saw this fence and it was there in the 50s. These posts went down about three feet, so I had to take out each one of those. Then I had to twist the pole out with, with a plumber's wrench. Then I get over to the middle, and there's roots. I got to take the roots out, right? Then my wife gets out the lumber that we purchased, and we look at the lumber, and we see where it's going to go. Then we have to measure out where the pieces of lumber are going to go according to the pickets that we want to use. The neighbors started coming over and going, oh, wow, uh, we're glad you're doing something about that. That's really ugly, which is fine. It was. But during that process, A, it looked uglier because it didn't have the tree. B, it looked uglier because we were doing work. Then we get down to the root system. Our whole area is exposed because the fence is down. So think of all the things we had to do to break down and make it look less appealing before what ends up happening. A little while later, we lay down the lumber and we see where it's going to go, Gina and I together. So then after all these weeks of killing myself, I thought I was done digging through the roots, but I wasn't to make it perfect. Now, what could I have done? Nah, you know, it's good enough. I didn't. I listened to my wife and I dug even deeper. So when people are going by then, they're like, this guy is still, at one point, this neighbor walked by and I was on my knees with a hatchet because I couldn't get in there with the axe. The roots had grown and the tree had grown around the fence. So there were these pieces of metal. So you couldn't just axe it. You couldn't just saw it. You had to go in there and also use wire cutters to get in there. So it took forever, right? Now I'm going to jump ahead a bit because I'm sure you're tired of hearing about the building of a fence, for God's sake, Jet. But here's what ended up happening. It ended up exceeding our expectations as far as the way it looked and blowing the minds of our neighbors and everyone who saw it. So it was worth it. But when I was in it, when I was filthy, when it was 100 degrees outside, when I had heat stroke, which I explained in another episode, it didn't seem like it was going to be this beautiful fence. It just seemed like a project that was going to kill me. And by the end, it looks incredible. But we have to realize it goes through these stages. At first, you look at a thing that looks okay. Then you have to tear it down and people go, Uh, that's ugly. I thought you said you were going to lose weight. I thought you said you were going to be thin. Why do I sound like a Z's? They make fun of you at work. They say, hey, you said New Year's resolution. Ha ha ha. Maybe they don't do that as much as they used to when I was younger because the world is more sensitive. But... You still feel worse than when you started. I'm working with a friend of mine right now on losing weight, and she got heavier than she's ever gotten in her life. And I said, what's going to happen first is you are going to be hungry and look fat. So being fat is tough. I've been there, by the way. That's why I went to Weight Watchers. Being fat is tough. But being fat and hungry, that sucks. Then being fat and sweaty and going to the gym, that sucks even worse. Then you start working out for a while and you see no change. So then you're depressed, you're fat, you can't eat, and you have to go to the gym all the time. And that sucks even worse. And people, just like the stages of the fence, will go, hey, listen, <laughs> you're, uh, you're not exactly thin there, Busta Brown. And you'll be like, don't call me that, that's not my name. But you'll be sad, and you'll be tired, and you'll be discouraged, 
And your husband or your wife will be like, well, I know you're trying this, but I guess it's not going to fit. Gina said to me at one point, she didn't know if I could get my skin back to the way it was because it had stretched so much. That hurt. But she wasn't trying to be mean. She was trying to prepare me for the fact that I might not be able to look like I did before. And that was depressing. So here I am, fat, sweaty, hungry, sober. And I'm finding out even when I finish, I might not be where I want to be, which could be years from then. And I keep going. And I keep going. And I keep going. Didn't want to go to the gym. Went to the gym. Wanted to eat more. Didn't eat more. Discipline. You think it's a four-letter word. It's not. I had to check. I had to send a little neuron down into my brain hole and say, is it? I don't think it is. But it doesn't matter. You think of it as a four-letter word. It's something that we don't like to look at anymore. Discipline. Hard work makes stuff. Does hard work pay off? Most often. Have I worked hard and had it not pay off? Absolutely. Some of the things that I have put the greatest effort into did not pay off. I did an entire documentary about World War II biplanes from pre-production to production to filming it myself to creating the narrative to bringing the lighting to doing absolutely every piece of the entire shoot to the very end. And then when it was all done and the two producers got in a fight and it exploded. Not the plane, that would be tragic. The project did. Had nothing to do with me. And so what I have to do then is another exercise called disciplining your disappointment, as my mentor told me. What's that mean? Discipline your disappointment. You know how to discipline yourself, discipline your kids. I was disappointed. I wanted that to become disproportionate to the event. I had a thing. It didn't work. I learned a lot. I flew around in the sky with a camera, which was pretty cool. I didn't do that like Superman. I mean, I can't fly. That would have been the thing I would have opened with in this show. But I can when I'm in a biplane. Here's the point. It didn't work, and that's okay. So sometimes you work your tail off, and you have no tail, and you're like, oh, I miss my tail, and then you keep working, and it doesn't bring you the results. But we have to trust as humans that there's a lesson in that, or there's a reason that we did it. And if the reason is only to understand what it's like to work hard so we can work hard on another thing, well, there's a lesson done. Perfect. Wonderful. You have that now. Think about it. The analogy for the fence and the analogy for the weight loss are identical. You start. That's exciting. It goes into planning phase. Maybe not as exciting. Everything looks uglier than it did before because if you're going to build, you have to go foundation up. And that sounds romantic, but I got to tell you something. Doing the foundation is very difficult. I tried to write this book in 2011. On page one, it was hard. By the time I got to 100, it sat on a shelf for eight years. I wrote a book. It hasn't been used since I went to the first page right now and started talking to you about the fight. I think it ends up kind of being a blessing in disguise because if you had told me eight years ago that I would write this book every single night, even when I didn't want to, even when I had something better to do, that it would be... 2019 before it even had a use, and that use was something that I couldn't fathom back then, that I'd be using it for a podcast, I would have been discouraged. That's the point. It doesn't matter where I am. The point is I wouldn't have been able to see it, because that's not how time works, and that's not how human's vision works. I knew I had to write, and I wrote it, and there it is. And I read it to you guys today, and I think it's going to help. But I couldn't have known that. I guess it's saying that work for work's sake, and understand that there's a purpose behind it even if it's not evident at the time. Think of all the things as a kid that you worked so hard on that tangibly don't exist in your life right now. Trying out for that team. Working for that... I mean, I'm, I'm going to guess here because I don't know anything about the scholastic part. Spelling bee? Did you work for a spelling bee? 
academic decathlon? Did you work at selling drugs? Let's say that. Let's say you were a bit of a misfit. Did you learn how to sell weed in high school? My God, you got a skill set there. Absolutely. If you learned how to sell weed in high school, you learned how to get a product, that's a business owner, take it at wholesale, sell it at retail. Then you learned how to navigate the marketplace, which is it being illegal. So you had to learn how to be a little tricky, right? Then you had to find clients. You had to provide a product that was not going to get them angry enough to bust you by going to the authorities, whether it's school or the cops. You had to have a satisfied customer. Then you had to get repeat business. So whether you were a misfit, sold marijuana in high school, or you're an academic decathlete, you were learning things, but you don't have the tangible results of that right now, but there was a lesson in that. Yes, I'm talking to myself as I talk to you, of course. And the reason is, and I mentioned it before, because we are both human. I don't have to see you. I don't have to know you. If you're hearing this, you're human. And if you're hearing this and you're a raccoon, well, my suspicions have been correct. You raccoon overlords, I know what you're up to. But if you're not a raccoon, then you're a human and you're hearing this. So you get what I'm saying, because this is one of those things that's just universal. We have to grow. And growing equals fighting. And we don't want to have to fight, right? I've heard a lot of people who say to me, Jet, I hate confrontation. Oh, really? Well, you share that with every human on earth. Public speaking makes me uncomfortable. Everyone's uncomfortable when they publicly speak. It's just the way it is. People don't like taking their shirt off in public until they've worked so hard to be able to do it that they want to. And I've been there. It's the same thing with public speaking. It's the same thing with doing comedy. It's the same thing with talking on a microphone, going up to that girl for the first time, going up to that guy for the first time. I know you can do it easier online, but you still have to meet the person. Those things are awkward till they're not. Then they become so routine, you don't even know you're doing them. You've left work after a 60-hour work week. You've gotten in your car. You show up at your house, and you're like, oh my God, I didn't want to go home. I was supposed to go to my in-law's house. I was supposed to go to this date. You ended up home without even thinking. You just appeared home as if a magic genie did it for you. The Robin Williams one, not the Will Smith one. That's an Aladdin joke. But you got home and you didn't even think about it. Because you're so used to it. But remember the first time you got in a car. Was it that easy? Could you have just closed your eyes after a 60-hour week, showed up at home without thinking? No, you had to go, okay, uh, foot. Oh, that was too fast. Foot on the, oh. Wait, is it on? Overturn the ignition, put it in neutral, try and figure it out, look in your mirrors. Somehow or another, and I think it's just fate being as funny as it is, a fire truck blows past you at 90 miles per hour, knocking off your side view mirror, terrifying you. I'll never drive again! I'll never drive, this is terrifying! I failed the driver's test twice, I failed the learner's permit way more times than that, but I still got my license when I was 16. My brother, my littlest brother, he failed it and didn't get his license for years. And I'm not trying to judge him. It's a different world. There's Uber. That didn't exist for me. I guess I'm a little bit trying to judge him. But here's the thing. I understood as a kid, and so do you if you're listening to this. You understood it as a kid. You understand it now. And you better realize it every time you come up against it, which is it's not going to be easy. You want it to be easy, well then, get prepared to live a mediocre life. But my point is, if you want a life worth living, it's going to take effort. You're going to have to lace up those gloves. You're going to have to go into that hot gym, and you're going to have to pound the shit 
out of this life until you start to get what you truly want. If you don't want to do that, that's okay, but you're not listening to this if you don't want to do that. I've wanted things in this life that I've wanted for 20 years, that I've realized I wanted when I was a kid but had no way of executing on. They have not come true. The ones that have come true, I don't even see anymore because that's done. You don't have to do this, right? No one can put a gun in your head like in Fight Club when he takes that guy from the liquor store, puts him in the back, and he puts a gun to his head and says, if you're not on your way to being a veterinarian in one year from today, I'm going to kill you because I have your address. He took his license and he freed that guy. If you haven't seen Fight Club, go see it. That's not going to happen. But you can do that to yourself. You can set things up so that people know. I told you guys I'm going to do comedy, so I am. I told people I'm going to write a book, so I'm reading my book I wrote, and I'm going to take this. It's somehow going to transfer into my brain, and I'm going to turn it into a book. I'm finishing up a screenplay. Why do I talk about that? People say, oh, don't put that out there. Then you have to be held accountable. I'm putting it out there so I can be held accountable. Do you know what my friends talk to me about? That stuff. When I started going to Weight Watchers, I told all of my closest friends, I'm going to Weight Watchers. Why did I do it? Because I wanted them to know that they needed to hold me accountable when I was too weak to do it. But the good news was the women in that room that I went to when I was at the meetings, they also held me accountable. It's like any 12-step program. I know I can't do it by myself. I'm a human. We're flawed. We're animals. We need to put systems in place to make sure we do the things that we're here to do. If you believe that. And maybe you don't believe in destiny, and that's fine. So do the things that make your life more comfortable. Make your family happier. Make you more proud of who you are as an individual. Make you go to bed at night and you say, I was the best woman I could be today. I was the best man I could be today. I did it. I rocked it. I've been doing that a lot lately. And this helps because I'm putting it out there and I'm talking to you. And another thing too is that when you move, providence moves too. And basically what that's saying is that if you move towards something, something will move towards you. Again, my mentor said, you take one step, I'll take two steps. You take no steps, I'll take no steps. That's the universe, God, whatever you want to call it. You move towards it, a goal. It'll move towards you. But if you take your foot off the pedal, if you stop doing it, it's not going to happen. The fight. In a little chapter I wrote in January of 2011, through our life we fight. The fight changes over the years, but it is ever-present, said me from the past. From the moment we are born, we are crying and we fight to breathe and to be seen. Here's the last paragraph of this little thing I said. So if that is the case, why do we search our whole lives for the easy way out? Bam! Me to me. I wrote those words. I'm reading those words. I'm actually a little bit proud of myself. Can you tell in my voice? I am proud of myself, but I wrote it. A dyslexic guy who was going through a lot of depression at the time wrote that. Why do we think it's going to be easy if we know that everything in our life has been fought for? There's something that you started at that you were really bad at that you turned into something that you are great at. Everything you've ever started, when you started, you sucked. And now you don't suck. So either start that thing and start being sucky at it now, or... Continue on that thing that you used to suck at and become great. Because I believe, truly, that's one of the missions that we have when we are put on this earth. Thank you so much for listening today. 
meant a lot to me to be able to get this far. Thank you for listening this long. I'm Jet Dunlap. This is Psychotherapy. Psychotherapy.